our culture says we ought to be able to do it on our own. And then it tries to sell us stuff to help us do things. Our culture says, look out for yourself. And then it keeps setting up situations for us to fail. Our culture says, look out for number one. The problem is, if everybody's looking out for number one, we're in trouble because our culture's view of number one is us when actually number one is him. If we'd all look out for number one in reality, we'd be in a whole lot better shape. David and Goliath, well-known and yet little-known. We know the basics. A teenager goes and fights a giant, hits him with a stone with a slingshot, wins the battle over him, and the Israelite nation wins a great battle. And he becomes famous after that, all with a little stone. Not on his own, although he's the one that threw the stone. It's an amazing reality. Jody and I were watching an old show the other day, uh, not a Christian show. And it was a husband and wife arguing after church. I know none of you have ever done that. (laughs) Part of the argument was you fell asleep. And he said, it was boring. (laughs) Said, no, it wasn't. And he said, yes, it was. And he said, not only that, it shouldn't have been boring. It was a story about a teenager who killed a giant with a stone. And said, how can you make that boring? So the challenge this morning is to make sure I don't make that boring. (laughs) What I'm discovering is all of God's word is really that way. Oh, even the names and places. They're not boring. Can't pronounce them, can you? That can't be boring. But the reality is, God is still God. That's what this series is about. This is number three in the series that might be six sermons or more. Keep you guessing. And this morning, we're looking at Scripture in the Old Testament in the book of 1 Samuel. If you're not sure where it is, it's right in front of 2 Samuel. But 1 Samuel chapter 17 has this incredible story of David and Goliath. The Philistines were the enemy. The Israelites, the good guys, following God. They had lined up for battle, one on each hillside, where they were to meet the battle lines down in the valley and But nobody went down. They just all kept coming out every day looking at each other. And finally, Goliath, who was a giant, meaning he was big. The description in the Bible tells us that he was maybe close to eight or nine feet tall. We go, oh, that can't be true. Oh, there's a lot of evidence of he was a descendant of the Anaks. And the Anaks were known to be very, very large people. We use the word large today and we mean this way. They meant this way. If you're not quite sure how big that is, a basketball goal, which I know you all are interested in, is 10 feet high. So Goliath was just a few inches shorter than that. David was a lot of inches shorter than that. And he was still a teenager. 
But his dad said, I want you to go and check on your brothers who were fighting. Well, the truth was they weren't fighting. Nobody was fighting. They were all talking. Reminds me a lot of today. In fact, there was really only one person talking. Goliath. Part of the enemy. And he said, we don't all need to fight. I'll come out representing the Philistines and my people, and you send somebody against me. We'll go one-on-one, mano-a-mano. Whichever one of us prevails, that side wins. And if I win, then you'll serve us and our gods. And if your man wins, we'll serve you and your gods. But every day when he made that challenge, the Israelites either just stood still or turned and went back to their tents. There wasn't a whole lot of fighting going on. There was a little trash talk, but only from one side. Now, by the way, make sure when you look at this story and listen to this story, you realize David was a master trash talker. It was awesome what he did. David showed up. His dad said, take this food, check on your brothers. Now, I don't know about you, but if when I was away from home for the first time for any length of time, it was in college. And whenever I got a care package, that meant food and money from home. It was a red letter day. I mean, it was an awesome day. I had some of my mom's chocolate chip cookies in there, among other things. I didn't share any of my mom's chocolate chip cookies. I might have shared the other stuff, but our group of five, we all had a rule. Every one of us had one thing we didn't have to share. Mine was my mom's cookies. Nope, like you guys, love my mom's cookies. And we each had our one thing. One of the guys, it was some beef jerky, and another guy, it was his mom's cookies, but hers weren't near as good as mine. but getting that from home. So imagine they've been out at battle, though they weren't really fighting, and a care package from home is sent, but it's sent by their little brother. I don't have a little brother, but my brother, who's much, much older than me, I say that because he might be listening. (laughs) Occasionally, I delivered a package to him. You know what? He was a whole lot more interested in the package I brought than in me. (laughs) In this case, David's brothers weren't necessarily overjoyed at the package, and they certainly weren't overjoyed with the messenger, their little brother. Because what happened is David is there the first time, and the scripture tells us that Goliath came out and he started trash talking. If you have your Bibles or your Bible on your devices, take a look at this beginning at verse 19. It says, now Saul, that's King Saul of the Israelites, and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. That's, that's a loose interpretation to say they were fighting. 
And David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with a keeper, took the provisions, and went as Jesse, his dad, had commanded him. He came to the encampment as the host was going to the battle line, shouting the war cry. Interesting, time out. Interesting that they were shouting the war cry, but there was no war. We sometimes mistakenly think that if we've said it, we've done it. If we've planned it, we've done it. If we've printed it, we've done it. No. To do it means to do it. Not to talk about it, not to print it on flyers, not to make it into a t-shirt or a bumper sticker. It's to actually do it. That's not even part of the message. That's free. They were going out shouting the war cry. Verse 21 says, And Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle, army against army. And David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage, ran to the ranks, and went and greeted his brothers. As he talked with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines, spoke the same words as before, and David heard him. Goliath came and did his trash talking, only now David heard this. Verse 24, all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were much afraid. The men of Israel said, have you seen this man who's come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel and the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches, will give his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. Time out. That means that his dad would no longer have to pay taxes. That's a huge prize, right? Some of you must not have to pay. And then in verse 26, David said to the men who stood by him, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in the same way, so it shall be done to the man who kills him. Now Eliab, his older brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David, not Goliath, but against David, and he said, why have you come down, and with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? Time out. Now he's trash-talking his dad's sheep. I mean, he has stuff all out of line. Don't worry, I'll get to the message. Now, Eliab was so upset with him. And then in verse 28, David answers and says, uh, says to him, what have I done now? Verse 29, sorry. Was it not but a word? And he turned away from him toward another and spoke in the same way. And the people answered him again as before. When the words of David that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul. And he sent for him. And David said to Saul, this is awesome. Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. Time out. Saul had somebody finally willing to fight. And he goes, no, you can't do it. 
I found this quote this week that said, those who have never taken down a giant may tell you it can't be done. Don't listen to them. God has experience in giant slaying. Listen to him. You're going to have people tell you that the stuff you're facing is just too big. Just let them know your God's bigger. No matter what you're facing. No matter what you're fearing. No matter what anybody else is saying. Don't listen to the one who doesn't know anything about it. Listen to the one who has already won the victory. Now... When Saul said this to him, I love David, verse 34. He says, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he rose against me, I caught him by his beard. That's why I don't wear a beard. And struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears. This uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion, from the paw of the bear, will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Then... Saul clothed David with his armor, put a helmet of bronze on his head, clothed him with a coat or, or armor of, uh, of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor and he tried in vain to go for he had not tested them. Then Saul, David said to Saul, I cannot go with these. I have not tested them. So David put them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand and he approached the Philistine. The Philistine moved forward and came near to David with his shield bearer in front of him. The shield bearer, time out. Shield bearer, the shields that they would often use were almost as tall as them. A shield would be such that you could put it on the ground. It would come up to just under your chin and you could hide behind it if you needed to. And this shield bearer, who had to be a pretty good sized fellow himself to carry this thing, was moving out in front of him toward David. Now, verse 42, when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. I assume that means Goliath was not very good looking since he was upset that David was handsome. <laughs> verse 43, the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. 
This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head, and I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly may know that the Lord saves, not with sword and spear, for the battle belongs to the Lord, and he will give you into our hand. I told you David could talk trash. The difference is David's words were true. Verse 48. When the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. David put his hand in his bag, took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face on his face to the ground. I always wondered, was the shield bearer still in front of him? He got a two for one there. Verse 50 says, So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck him and killed him. There, there was no sword in the hand of David. David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword, drew it out of its sheath, killed him, cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. And the men of Israel and Judah rose with a shout and pursued the Philistines as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron. So the wounded Philistines fell on the way from some of those names there. As far as Gath and Ekron and the people of Israel came back from chasing the Philistines and plundered their camp. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem and put his armor in his tent. David prevailed, but it wasn't David, it was God. Because David did what God asked. What are you doing with the giants that are in your path? Interesting that all it took was one to say, I'll go. All it took was one who said, you're no match for my God. All it took was one who said, I will not let you defy my God. And when he went out... And the rest of the army saw God was with him. Then they rose up and came into the battle. Maybe you're the one that some others need to see. Maybe we're the one as a body of believers that some others need to see. Because God is still God. Even if we don't get to all the blanks on the outline. God is still God. So how did we get here? That first question we're asking each week in this series. How did we get here? We need to realize some giants are obvious and they stand in our path. You expect it. You know that this is coming because you're doing whatever. And you've seen it happen to other people. So you know that this giant is going to be there. Some of them are just obvious, but some are surprising. Don't you suppose that David was a little surprised that his brothers tried to become a giant in his path? His own brothers? Have you ever been surprised by who became the giant in your path? I have. 
Sometimes we simply go on the wrong path. That's how we got there in front of the giant. We made a wrong choice or we were confused and went the wrong way. We can look back on it afterwards and go, oh, there's where I turned wrong. And sometimes we're in front of the giant because we're trying to help somebody else fight their giant. We grab the rope and we're helping somebody else in their battle. How we got there is not near as important as what we're going to do next. That's the key. Now what do we do? Number one, pray for the right plan. You go, well, it doesn't say David prayed. You don't think he prayed ahead of time? Why was he so confident? God had helped him in the past and he had prayed. You don't think he prayed when he chased the lion who had the, the sheep in his mouth? I have a feeling that was a pretty intense prayer. I have a feeling while he ran to meet Goliath, he was praying. Not all prayer is done with our eyes closed and on our knees. It's praying while we're living it out. Pray for the right plan. Lord, what do you want? Number two, face the giant. Even in fear. I don't know about you, but every time I read this story, one of my thoughts is, I mean, David was evidently pretty good with the sling, and in warfare that took place at that time, all the armies had people who used slings. They didn't have any guns. So one of the best things they had from a distance was somebody who could throw the stone through the sling, and there were people who were pretty good at it. Evidently, David was, or at least he thought he was. I have a feeling that when he started winding up, he's going, Lord, help me to be on target today. But I also believe David's attitude was this. Too often we face the giants and we go, they are so big we can't defeat them. I can't get around them. I think David's thing was, he's so stinking big I can't miss him. That's true of the giants we face. Face the giant. The other thing is, remember, when you face the giant, you are not alone. God is with you. And you got some people around you who are with you, helping hold the rope with you. Pray for the right plan. Face the giant and then fight in the power of the Lord. What did David say to Saul and to, and to Goliath? He said, I come to you in the name of the Lord. I'm going to go out and fight him in the name of the Lord. Not my name. Now the people made David's name famous after that. But David said it was all about God. Fight in the power of the Lord, not in your own strength. And then show others it can be done. When David went out and faced Goliath, then the army who had been fleeing from Goliath said, let's go. Somebody showed us it's possible. Let's go. What if you're the one who's supposed to show others it's possible? So what lessons do we learn? The first and greatest lesson is God's greater than any giant you're going to face. Yeah, but pastor, you don't know what I'm facing. You're exactly right, but I can guarantee you God's greater. 
And we can have that confidence to say that to others. God is still God. No matter what we're facing, no matter how big the giant, no matter how complicated the problem, no matter how long we've been in this battle, God is greater than whatever we will face. The second lesson we need to learn and watch David in this is you already have the tools to prevail over the giant. See, Saul tried to give him his armor. Saul, we go back and read in scripture, Saul was about six foot six. David was nowhere near that tall. Plus he was still a teen. He hadn't filled out yet. Saul said, here, let me thrust my stuff on you. David wisely went, no, I can't. God's already given me what I need. I got this sling. What has God given you? For David, it was a sling and some stones. What is it he's provided you with for the battle you're facing? The other thing we learn is God deserves the glory. In fact, let me add, God deserves all the glory. It's about him, not us. Oh, I know we, we talk to others and it's fine to acknowledge this, but they have followed God's plan. The glory belongs to the Lord. When we lose sight of that, when we listen to the cheers instead of passing them on to God, we're in trouble. Go later in history and David started listening to the cheers and he got himself in trouble. In this moment, though, he gave God all the glory. And I don't know who of you needs to hear this, but I know several of you do. One of the lessons you need to learn is that because of God, you are qualified to go against your giant. Not because of you, not because of your brilliant strategy, but because of God who he is, what he has, and what he has already done. You are qualified in Christ. You are qualified through his Holy Spirit. You are qualified because you follow his plan. We're not qualified because of us. We're qualified because of him. God doesn't, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called, the ones who answer. One of my arguments in vain to God when I felt him calling me to go into pastoral ministry was, I'm not qualified for this. So my degree was in education, not theology, not ministry. The only Greek I knew was Euros. But God reminded me the qualification wasn't in that stuff. It was in him and his call. Because of him, you are qualified to stand up to your giant. Satan tries to tell you, look around. <laughs> you got no shot. Like Saul said to David, you can't do this. Satan's going to tempt you and say, what have you done See, the question was not what have you done, but what has he done? And God has always 
defeated the giants. So what are our next steps? You can guess the first one, pray. Because it's the same one every week. Pray first. Pray last and pray on the way. I love the fact that there is no qualification to pray except to pray. Just pray. You don't have to know certain words. You don't have to get in a certain posture except the posture of your heart. You don't have to be of a certain age or have been following Christ for a certain length of time. Just pray. I'm also discovering the more I pray, the more I want to pray because of my relationship with him and what I see him do. I'm just, I'm terrible at praying. First of all, that's not true. The only time we're terrible at praying is if we don't pray. That's the only way you can be bad at praying. Because even if you can't get the words out, Scripture tells us Jesus interprets for us. We said this a few messages back. Sometimes all we can do is cry. Sometimes all we can do is fall on our knees. God understands. Sometimes all we can say is, why? God understands. Just keep praying. Secondly, use whatever God has provided. Now that means you've got to recognize it. Ask him, Lord, what is it? I don't think I have anything. What have you provided? It may look as silly as a stone and a few rocks. What is that against a giant? But remember, he's too big to miss. And God's too good to fail. Number three, face your giants. We've hidden long enough, just like the Israelites did. We come and we line up saying, this is the day. And then we just turn and go back. We do that with a lot of stuff, don't we? We plan it, we just don't do it. Face the giant. It's okay if your knees are trembling. It's okay if you have trouble getting the words out. Face the giant. And then my favorite part, celebrate and give God the praise. Do you notice David actually started celebrating before Goliath fell? Maybe what you need to do is start thanking God for the victory while you're still in the battle. Because the victory is you're being obedient, even if the giant's still standing. What's your giant? What is it that is causing you to withdraw? What is it that's keeping you from doing everything you know God wants you to do? Acknowledge it. Face it. Pray for the plan. And then fight the battle God's given you with what he has provided. So let me ask this. Are you using what God has already given you? I'm going to ask you to stand. I was going to ask if 
today you know who your giant is or what your giant is that you're struggling with, facing, battling, whatever it is, afraid of. And if today you make a decision that says, I'm going to face my giant. I don't know how this is going to work. On my own, I've already failed at this, but I decide today in God's name to face my giant. I'm just going to ask you to come and stand across the front. Say, okay, Goliath, I defy you today. I don't know what's going to happen to me, but I come and stand in front of you in the name of Jesus Christ, my Lord. Not my strength, but his. If that's where you are this morning, I just ask you to come right now. Just come stand across the front as we pray a closing prayer together. There are other people that are going to help you pull on the rope. If you're ready to face your giant, whatever your giant is, I just ask you to come right now. The first step to face your giant. Understand there are others praying for you. There are others that are going to help pull on the rope. There are others that are going to come alongside you. You are not in this alone. Father, thank you for never, ever leaving us alone. Lord, thank you for the example of David. And Lord, we sometimes wonder if we're going to be the one that, that slays the giant or if we're just the first one to step up to him. But Lord, help us to be obedient whichever position we're in. Even with trembling feet, even with a trembling voice, as we say, I do this in the name of the Lord. Lord, may you guide these that have come forward in particular to stand up to the giant. Show them what you've already provided. Show them they're not in this alone. You're with them and there are others by them. Lord, I also pray for some who are still standing back who know they should move out. Continue to pursue them this week until they face the giant. Lord, remind me to pray for these that have come forward. Pray specifically for them. I don't need to know who or what the giant is, but I know that they're facing one and I'm praying for them that you would be clear in your direction. That they would sense your presence and your power and take that next right step. Lord, thank you for those who've gone before us and faced the giants that can give us courage to do the same. I pray this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.